That's what has to drive us. Um, there is this passage here in the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 9. You know what the book of Ecclesiastes is about? It's about life. People ask the question, so, so, so what is life about? In Ecclesiastes, he attempts to answer that question. Here's what life is about. And he basically says that if you just live life down here under the sun, vanity of vanities. In other words, it's the most empty experience that you can have is that you're just living life under the sun and there is no spiritual life. There is no connection with God. There is no long view purpose where I'm trying to add eternal value. It's just life under the sun, living like a person who has no God, no heaven, no hell. But uh, he's talking about the meaning of life in the book of Ecclesiastes. And this is what he says to these people who are supposed to be living not just under the sun, S-U-N, but under the sun, S-O-N, the ones who are living for God. This is what he says to me. This is what he says to you. He says, whatever your hand finds to do, um, mark that word, whatever, um, when you're doing something you like, nope, whatever your hand finds to do. When you're doing something that has higher recognition, nope, whatever your hand finds to do. When you do something that people really appreciate, nope. When you do something that people really notice, nope. When you do something and people are saying thank you, uh-uh. When you do something because it really needs to be done, nope, whatever your hand finds to do. Whatever your job is, whatever assignment it is that you have taken in the name of Christ, whatever you're doing for God, whatever you're doing for your church. Um, and he's speaking, by the way, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, this is not just Solomon saying, hey, let me give you my take on life. This is scripture. This is inspired by the Holy Spirit. In other words, this is God who is speaking through him. And God says, whatever your hand finds to do. How are you to do it? Um, you ever see those tandem bicycles where you have more than one set of pedals? I've seen them with two sets of pedals, three sets of pedals. Do you want to get on that thing with someone who says, I'm just here for the ride? 
they're putting all their weight onto the bike. But when it's time to pedal, they're not putting all their energy into pedaling. You ever want to be on a rowing team? And you're rowing with all your might? And you have two or three people on the team who are saying, I'm just going to halfway do it. I'm just going to go through the motions. Is there anything that's more discouraging than that? You're trying to give it all that you've got. And the other person is saying, you know what? Um, I'm just here for the ride. I do a little something, but... Don't expect my all. Don't expect my best. Don't expect me to just really show out. Don't expect me to strive to be number one, to really do this well. Don't expect that. I'm here to sort of coast. I may be here, may not be. I may be on time, may not be. I may put my all into it sometimes, but... God says, here is what I want. I want you to do whatever you do for me with all your might. I want everything. Those who have played football, and you have a good coach who is aggressive and he's, he's in the habit of winning and he's in the habit of making good teams and strong athletes. What is it that he always tells them? Leave everything on the field. Give it everything that you got. At the end of the game, I don't want you to have an ounce of energy left. Leave everything on the field all the way through the game. Give it your best. That's what it takes to win. And that's what God says to his children. And God says, if it's not your best, I won't even take it anyhow. How do I know that to be true? Through Isaiah, God told the people, I reject your sacrifices. Do you remember the story of Cain and Abel? You remember that story? Um, Cain um, brought a sacrifice to God. And uh, he brought, you know, some veggies and whatever. He was a farmer. And uh, the Bible says that God had no regard, no respect, placed no value on the sacrifice that he brought. Abel, he brought a sacrifice. And it says that he brought the best. And what was the response of God? God said, yes. 
I'll accept this. Because I see you giving your best. That's what God wants from us. And there are going to be people who are going to be sending before God. And they're going to be saying, God, I did all this work. Where's my reward? And God said, oh, you don't have any reward because nothing that you did was acceptable. Or you have a very small reward because very little that you ever did was acceptable. Very infrequently did you give your best, you weren't complaining, and uh, you had joy. Um, so little of what you did was in that spirit. He says, do it with all your might. And he says, you may as well because you're not going to have this opportunity for long to give your best. What does he say? Do with all your might, for there is no activity. Go down to the cemetery and see how many people there are working. See how many of them are moving around. See how many are lifting their hands and how many are singing and how many are praising God and how many are working. There's no activity or planning. You can't even plan to do anything. There's no knowledge. There's nobody in the cemetery who is in the ground thinking about stuff. There's no brain activity. There's no wisdom. In Sheol, the grave, where you may go. Did I misread that? I sure did. I, I misread that big time. Not where you may go, you're going. Where you are going. And I get it, Christ may come back today and, 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 and you'll never go to the grave. But um, he may not come back for another thousand years. You're not going to live that long. May not come back for another hundred years. But I won't be here. At least I hope not. <laughs> he says, folks, you don't have forever. 
this window of opportunity that God is giving you to show out for his glory, he says that window is closing. Right now, if you have breath in your body, blood flowing warm in your veins, the activity of your limbs, the mental faculties to work for God, he is saying you are not going to have this privilege forever. It's a short it's a limited opportunity. The day is coming when we will pass through the veil from time and will be in eternity. We'll pass from the physical into the spiritual will pass from the earthly into the heavenly. And there will be no doubt in any of our minds, opportunity over. Whatever you have done, your record is permanent. It stands as is. This is what you got done for God and that's it. There is no labor in heaven. Will we get to work in heaven? Yes, but we'll only do things that are fulfilling. We'll only do things that are enjoyable. There won't be anything that's sacrificial. We'll only do those things that we love doing. The only time to sacrifice for God, to make a statement for the Almighty, to return something to the one who gave his all for you, that opportunity is a small opportunity. Well, you know, I would really love to do something spectacular for God. I just wish I were better positioned. But as it stands, um, I have a disadvantage. I wasn't born into a rich family, don't have a lot of money, don't have a big education, not all that brilliant, not all that talented. I would love to do something spectacular for God. But the cards just didn't fall right for me. What does God say to that? We are part of a poor community. What does God say to that? God says, you don't know how this race is won, do you? You see what he says in verse number 11? He says, I again saw under the sun. And this is something that is hugely important and is something that most people never see under the sun. Do you see what he says here? He says, I saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift. 
This is a race where you don't have to be the fastest runner. I want you to note these words that are underlined because all these words say the same thing, that there is someone who has an advantage. All these words say the same thing, that these are the people with the advantage. Who has the advantage in the race? Whoever is the fastest runner. And God says, it doesn't work like that in my race. The race is not to the swift. The battle is not to the warrior. The one who is the strongest, who is the toughest. From a human standpoint, it would seem in a fight that the warrior would have the advantage. And God says, not in my fight. God says, I don't have a fight going on where the underprivileged are going to automatically lose. And those who have all the privilege that they're going to automatically win, God says, uh-uh, at the foot of the cross, the ground is going to be level. I'm running a game where anybody can win. Neither is bread to the wise. It's not the smart people who are going to get the most done for God. Nor wealth to the discerning. These people who have a knack, they just have a sixth sense for business and marketing and, 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 and networking and all that. God says that's not how you win the race. Who is it that has the favor? Who is it that everybody is going to like or prefer? He says the favor is not to the men of ability. Why is that? Because none of these privileges that are mentioned are as big as the enemy. The devil. And life itself. Did you know that life down here is tough? You can be fast one day and crippled the next. You can be strong one day and weakened the next. You can be wise one day and the next day, mentally incapacitated. If this is all you got, is privilege and advantage, what God says is, 
time and chance. We'll take that from you. But if instead you're walking with the Almighty and it's God who is giving you that desire because that's how you keep on running when things get tough is that you have passion, you have zeal. That's how you keep going when it gets discouraging. When you're not appreciated, you just keep going. If you have God working with you, that's the only sure advantage. That's the only sure way to win. And so God says, forget all that stuff down below. And instead, walk with God and give it all you've got. God says, I'll bless that every time. Every time. Um, this is hard, verse number 10, to give it all you've got. There's so many distractions. So many discouragements. So many people who won't act right, won't work with us the right way. And to just keep giving it all you've got. Keep coming back, giving it your best, trying your hardest all over again. That is hard. We have to get over the mentality that if it's not easy, I'm not going to do it. We have to get over that mentality. If it's not easy, I'm not going to do it. If it's tough, if it causes me pain, if it causes me grief, if it causes me my... if, if, if cost me my time, if it costs me some money, uh, I'm just not going to do it. I'm only going to do it if it's easy. I want to close with this. It looks like a long passage, but it's not. I just want you to see the Apostle Paul, what ministry was like for him. If it should have been easy for anybody, I would think that God would make it easy for Paul. Because this, this is the guy with the Jews. This is the guy who wrote most of the New Testament, established most of the churches in the New Testament. 
this guy was incredible under the power of God. And what was the ministry like for him? He says, are they servants of Christ? You know what was happening? The Corinthian church, they were looking at these other people and, and, and saying, you know what, um, forget Paul, I like that guy. And so they, they, they came up with people who were people after their own personalities and people who were telling them what they wanted to hear and people who were making money off of them. And, um, and, 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 and Paul is saying, so what's the attraction? Are, are they like the servants of Christ? He says, I speak as if insane. In other words, uh, if I were doing this, just, just doing this to do it, I'd be crazy. I'd be out of my mind. To be comparing myself with people who are supposed to be servants of Christ. And he says, so I'm just going to work with you for a minute, and I'm going to talk like a, a crazy person, and uh, let me just tell you about Paul. Let me tell you about me. He says, are they servants of Christ? I speak as if insane. I'm more so. In other words, if, if they're a servant of Christ, I'm really a servant of Christ. He says, in far more labors. In other words, hard work. And that's what it takes to serve Christ is hard work. I want to tell you, if your Christianity is easy, you're doing something wrong. If your Christianity is easy, you're missing something. If your service to Christ is easy, you're doing it wrong. He says in far more labors, he says in far more imprisonments. Paul, why is it that you keep going to prison? Because I keep doing what God has called me to do no matter what. I'm not going to stop because they lock me up, take my freedom. Beaten times without number. Paul, why do they keep jumping on you and beating you and you were left for dead once, weren't you? It's because I keep doing, to the best of my ability, what God has called me to do. He says, often in danger of death. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. They could take a whip and... They used someone who knew what they were doing. It was typically a professional. And they would give 39 lashes because uh, they wanted to stop one less than what was legal. Um, he says five times. I received beatings that some people died from. He 
These are beatings that people didn't always survive. It was that severe. Three times I was beaten with rods. Those aren't the Jews. Those are the Romans. And he was beaten with rods. And those were severe. Once I was stoned. And surely not very many people survived stonings. But it was by the grace of God that he allowed Paul to revive. And when he revived, what do you think he did? When he got up from under the pile of rocks, what do you think he did? He went back into the city where the people lived who had just stoned, who had just stoned him. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have spent in the deep, like we're stranded in the ocean, trying to cling on to a piece of the ship. I have been on frequent journeys. This was a time when... If you were on the highway, there was a high chance you were going to get hijacked. If you were on the seaways, there was a good chance that you were going to be in danger of your life. In dangers from rivers. You know, we just drive right over rivers these days. Nice bridge. Wasn't like that in Paul's day. You just may go into the river. Dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen. The Jews hated him. Dangers from the Gentiles. The idolaters hated him. Dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren who claim to be Christians and they weren't. He says, I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights in places where you better not sleep. In hunger and thirst, often without food. In cold and exposure. The Apostle Paul, he simply says to us that I'm trying to do everything that God wants me to do. And let me tell you, God doesn't just make everything easy. Um, it's tough to serve God. It's tough to serve God. What do you think people were saying to Paul when they would see him go through all this why don't you just quit? You've done enough. It doesn't take all that to serve God. Why don't you just quit? Why don't you just enjoy life? Why don't you take it easy? 
You can have it easy. You can. You can have it easy. But I can tell you this. If your relationship with God, if your service, if your Christianity is easy, you're not doing it right. You know why? Because Jesus said, following me, it's about taking up a cross. Before you can follow, you got to deliberately, intentionally lay your life down and take up a cross. If there's no cross, no crown,